Praise God, praise God, praise God. Welcome to everyone tonight. If you're a guest in service with us tonight, we're glad to have you with us. Thank you for being here. If you're joining us on the internet, wherever you may be joining us from tonight, we pray that you're blessed by this service, wherever you may be. Good to have Brother Tron from Norway in service with us tonight here for Call to War this week. Praise God. And we give honor tonight to our bishop and to Mother Wright. And sort of goes without saying, but let me say it and encourage you, obviously, keep Bishop in your prayers this week as he will be ministering throughout the week for call to war. And God would give him strength and continue to give him virtue to do what he needs to do this week. Praise God. I know it's kind of early, and um, I'm actually not really starting to give myself extra time, believe it or not. Uh, I am just realizing a lot of you are going to be in church most of this week. And so, um, not trying to rush anything. I do believe, I feel like I have something from the Lord to preach. And so, I'm going to do that and see what God does. And if by chance He allows, we'll get out earlier if... If not, we won't. Isn't that pretty obvious? It's kind of like some of those obvious statements that, you know. Well, what do you got to do to win today, coach? Well, we got to score more points than the other team and get in the end zone more times than they do. And, oh, really? Okay. So, Revelation chapter 12, and then I want to read a couple of verses from Matthew 18. Revelation 12, verse number 7. And we're going to go to Matthew 18 and 6. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against his angels and prevailed not. You know, the Bible's a pretty cool book, actually. It's got some pretty neat stuff in it. It's got some war. It's got athletics. It's got romance. It's politics. It's got it all. Whatever you want, it's in there. You want to press the limits? Go read Song of Solomon. Just have a little fun there. <laughs> the dragon fought in his angels and prevailed. I mean, there's a bunch of things I'm glad God's never impressed upon me to preach from certain parts of the Bible. <laughs> the dragon fought in his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon which was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And unfortunately for you and I, at least, we're in a season where the accuser got cast down and accusing us. But we know how to deal with that, right? Verse number 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They love not their lives unto death. And I want you to focus particularly on the middle part of that verse. By the word of their testimony. 
Then if we go to Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 6, Jesus says, But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that offenses come. But woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Mark 9.42, which is a parallel passage of this verse, basically the Amplified says Mark 9.42 this way, And whoever causes one of these little ones, these believers who acknowledge and cleave to me to stumble and sin, it would be better, more profitable and wholesome for him if a huge millstone were hung about his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Offenses must come, but woe to the one that causes the offenses. I want to preach to you tonight for a little while on this subject. Evidence for or an excuse against. Evidence for or an excuse against. Father, I thank you for the privilege of being together tonight with people of like precious faith. Thank you for another opportunity to join together and worship you to lift up the name which is above every other name. Thank you for this privilege. Thank you for the knowledge that we have of who you are tonight, God. Thank you for the experiential knowledge that we have, not just head knowledge, but also the experience of knowing you. Thank you for your presence that's already been in this service, and I pray now, God, that your spirit would minister and work in this place, that you would speak to our hearts through your word tonight, Lord. Let your spirit speak to us. Say what you desire to say. Do what you desire to do, Lord. Trust you and depend on you tonight, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. you may be seated. Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come. But woe to that man by whom the offenses come. I have to tell you, I guess my first impression of that verse, of that word, things like bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness start to come to mind. But there's actually, I think, a little bit different twist on what that word means if you look at the meaning of the word. And in the Greek, that word offenses means the movable stick or trigger of a trap. It is a trap, a snare, an impediment placed in the way and causing one to stumble or fall. Metaphorically, it is any person or thing by which one is entrapped, drawn into error or sin. Any person or thing by which one is entrapped, drawn into error or sin. So I think there's a little bit different context there than just simply an offense that comes from words that were misspoken or something that was done that was misunderstood and somebody got offended. There, there's more to uh, this word, to what Jesus is saying, than simply that, at least from what I gather from it. And then if you go back to the first passage we read in Revelation chapter 12, and again, verse 11, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. 
by the word of their testimony. The word testimony there in the Greek means this, evidence given. Evidence given. I want to preach to you tonight with regards to this subject matter from two different I want you, if you would, to try to keep in mind two different perspectives. Number one is I have to decide if I am going to gather evidence or if I am going to look for an excuse. I have to make a choice. Am I going to find evidence for him or am I going to find an excuse that contradicts him? And the second thing I want you to keep in mind is that you as an individual are either evidence for or you are an excuse against. You are either evidence for him. You're either evidence that points to him, that validates him, or you are the excuse provider for somebody that's looking for an out. The reason they were able to overcome is because in the midst of opposition and difficulty and challenges, they found evidence. They found things to validate their faith and their confidence with in God. They found things to substantiate the fact that God is faithful and God cannot lie and God will not lie and God will never leave me and He'll never forsake me and it doesn't matter what it looks like, seems like, feels like, God is going to make a way and so they knew not only how from their own lives but from the lives of others to accumulate some evidence that supported God. The problem is, not only do we find ourselves sometimes looking for an excuse, but there's a lot of people that are looking for an excuse. I don't know about you, but it is my hope and my prayer that my life is evidence for. Problem sometimes is my words are evidence, but my actions are an excuse. The things that I say and the things that come out of my mouth sound like evidence for, but then my actions become an excuse against. I want to give you both sides of the coin a little bit here tonight. Genesis chapter number 6 and verse number 5, the scripture says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he made man on the earth, and it it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man who I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. I have no idea thousands of years ago what there was to even imagine.
in the context of all of the things we face today, it would seem as though there wasn't quite the same things to imagine. Of course, the wise man tells us there's nothing new. So I guess the things, it's not about imagining new things, it's just coming up with ways, new ways to do old things. <laughs> but the Lord said that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart. Now, you know, some of you may not have ever heard this term, but, but there, there's a term that gets used. It, it's, that term is evangelastic. You know evangelistic. But, but evangelistic is when you, is when you're telling the story and you stretch the story a little bit. Ten people got the Holy Ghost and you, well, we had about twenty people. You, it, 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 you stretch it to make a point. I, I gotta tell you, God is speaking here. And God's not evangelistic. So if God says that every imagination of man's heart was only evil, then every imagination of man's heart was only evil. And unfortunately, whatever the population was, they found an excuse to imagine evil. The only problem was this. There was at least one place where there was a piece of evidence that contradicted all of the excuses. Because Noah, in the midst of everybody imagining evil things, Noah became evidence that it does not matter how ungodly things are and how ungodly things get, there's still going to be some evidence someplace of somebody that will demonstrate he's still God. I don't care what anybody else does, says, thinks. I don't care what they push, what they promote. There's still going to be some evidence somewhere. I have a question that sits in the back of my mind a lot of times when I preach, and especially when I preach along the lines of what I'm preaching tonight and where I'm going, and it goes back to a couple of years ago and something I preached, and, and I think both my parents had been out of town, and I guess my dad heard the message, watched the message or something, and, and, and he asked me later a question, he said, well, who, who, did, who did something? What an exact question, but that was the gist. And my response was, I, nobody particularly, I just was preaching what I feel. But, but I keep that question in the back of my mind because I think that's extremely important. You don't take advantage of the pulpit to take a cheap shot at somebody. If I've ever done that, I promise you it was not purposefully planned out. I'm not saying I've never done it and the flesh didn't get in the way, but I promise you I tried to the best of my ability not to take advantage of this opportunity to shoot at somebody. So I'm not here tonight to shoot at anybody, but I got to tell you, I, I'm just getting a little bit annoyed in my spirit of being intimidated. 
and frustrated with everybody that wants to come up with all the excuses. And point out all the excuses. I've come to tell you tonight, there's still some evidence. And you can find whatever excuses that you want, but, but have at it. I'm looking for the evidence. Not only am I going to try to be evidence, but I'm going to look for those that are going to provide me with evidence. Instead of looking for an excuse for a way out, I want some evidence to challenge me to buy in even more. Somehow we sit today in 2015 and think we're facing stuff that nobody's ever faced before. Preached this morning in Arnold and, 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 and then I went and preached at uh, College Park this afternoon and felt led to preach the same thing. And so on the way to College Park, even uh, anybody that's ever re-preached a message, you, unless you're reading it, unless you're reading it word for word, it's not the same. And I already knew that in advance and, and, and I was thinking about, On one hand, I would, originally I would have said there's more violence in the world today than there's ever been. And I'm not sure I would still argue that point, but, but I think what kind of hit me is I'm not sure there's really any more violence in the world that's ever been. We just have more exposure to the violence than there's ever been. Because it's no longer just the evening news for an hour that's telling us what's going on. We've got 24-hour news channels, and now we have this wonderful invention, which I'm on Facebook and Instagram, so I'm not bashing anybody. But now we've got these wonderful inventions of social media that individuals are now helping to push and promote and show what's going on. But you know what? There's nothing new under the sun. We're not facing anything more challenging in 2015 than Peter and James and John and the rest of them faced in the first couple of years of the New Testament church. So you and I have got to make up our minds today. Am I looking for an excuse? Am I looking for an excuse to provide me with a life of comfort and ease and compromise? Or am I going to choose to find evidence? Because I've come to tell you tonight, I don't care how many excuses you've got, I'll point you to some evidence. Everybody's imagination may be evil, but you know what? There's still a few Noahs around today who have made up their mind. I don't care what everybody else imagines. I still know there is a God, and I'm going to pursue that God, and I'm going to love that God, and I'm going to surrender and submit myself to that God no matter what anybody else does. 1 Kings chapter number 19, the scripture says, and so it, and it was so when Elijah heard it, what did he hear? He was in a cave. Why was he in a cave? He was hiding out because, first off, he just gets done with one of the coolest days anybody could ever have. I mean, what a day. What a day. Dealing with, dealing with drought and all kind of stuff going on. And so he, he, he calls a showdown on top of Mount Carmel. Let's quit going back and forth between who's God and who's not. And let's just settle it. 
Let's just get it settled once and for all. Who's really God? They get up on that mountain and they get the, they get, they build altars and they're trying to, they're calling fire down from heaven and the prophets of Baal spend all day long praying and cutting themselves and all kinds of stuff and Elijah's sitting over on the side talking trash. Where's your God? He must be asleep. He must be out to lunch and, and, and just prodding them, poking them. And then finally they decide they've done enough and it's not working. And so it's his turn. And if it wasn't enough to be one man standing by himself against impossibilities, he says, go get a bunch of water and dump it on this altar. Not only, you know, most of the time when I think about that, the thing I'm just thinking about is wet wood doesn't burn well. I, I, I don't know if I, it was because I didn't go to Boy, Boy Scouts or what, but me and building fires don't get along. I have these grand ideas of making wonderful, lasting memories around the fire, campfire on trips with my family only for it to just fizzle. They're off doing all their stuff and I'm sitting there for like 30 minutes. <sighs> I'm burning newspapers and cardboard boxes and everything I can find. Finally, this year on vacation, I decided that ain't working. I just went and got the lighter fluid. Y'all better give it a five or ten minutes. Let all that stuff burn off before you roast your marshmallows. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, a week and a half, two weeks ago, we went away for a couple nights and St. Paul, I got, and I thought I had it going. I know, and it wasn't wet wood, but I do know wet wood doesn't burn well. But you know what? There's really a bigger point there than wet wood. The bigger point is they were lacking water. They were in a drought. It wasn't about Elijah showing off to burn wet wood. I'm going to take what's scared and what's scarce and what we are lacking of. And I'm so confident in what's about to happen. I want you just to pour it out on the ground. Twelve barrels, right? Twelve barrels of water. I mean, don't go get a deer park and just pour that on there. I'm talking go get some water. And then he steps back, and I guess this is one of those points where we take a little bit of liberty with the Scripture, but forgive me as long I don't think I'm contradicting, so permit my imagination for a moment. But Elijah steps back, and I don't think Elijah got down on the ground in some fetal position getting ready to go into intercession for four hours. You got no more evidence for something contrary than I do for my opinion, so we'll just agree to disagree. Because I think he just kind of stepped back because he knew what was about to come, and he just simply said, okay, this is, this is a real paraphrase on the King James, I know. But I think he just stepped back and said, okay, God, show him. The Bible says fire came down from heaven, licked up, burnt the sacrifice, the wood, the fire, licked up the water. What a day. And a chapter later, because of the king or the queen, who made a little threat. I mean, you I, I would imagine after calling fire down from heaven, you'd be ready for anybody. And the queen gives out threatening words, and he goes, runs off, and begs God, kill me. 
I know some of y'all said that, but you didn't really mean it. He, he would kill me, God. She's about to kill me, so you just get it over with. So he ends up hiding in this cave, and in this cave, God shows up and calls him out of the cave, and there's a whirlwind, there's a fire, there's an earthquake, and the Bible says in every one of those, God was not in it. But then there was a still, small voice. Some of y'all like the fire, the earthquake, and the wind, and you never even hear the still, small voice. You run from this service to that service to this event to that event, chasing earthquake, fire, and wind, and God's got a small, still voice trying to tell you something, and you are so clueless because you won't stop long enough to listen to what he has to say. Brother Morgan will be back next week. Hang on. And So that's what the context of this is, and... It was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very... (laughs) We are so good. We are so good at sounding so noble with God. You can trick people, but you can't trick God. God, I am here because I have been so jealous for you. Because you can't take care of yourself. I've been jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I even I only am left that they seek my life to take it away. God, all the other saints are gone. I'm the only one still showing up. I'm the only one still doing anything around here. The Lord said unto him, Go return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest unto Hazael to be king over Syria, and Jehu the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha the son of Shaphat of Abel, Mahola, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. Yeah, isn't it funny? God didn't, he, God didn't respond with any sympathy. He just, I got stuff for you to do. Get up. You sitting around here in a pity party, sympathizing with yourself and want me to give you sympathy. And I got stuff. Go, go anoint a king. It shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Haziel shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me. By the way, Elijah, by the way, you're not by yourself. I've got 7,000 in Israel. All the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. You think you're the only one still holding on. You think you're the only one still keeping on, keeping on, baby. But you're not the only one. God said, I got another 7,000 in addition to you. I've got some evidence that I've kept that while you've got an excuse for hiding out in a cave, I've got some evidence. So why don't you get your excuses to the side and start looking at the evidence I've got? Because not only did I save you on Mount Carmel, but I'm not done saving you yet. So get up and go do something. Familiar passage story to most of you here tonight, perhaps just about every one I would imagine. Daniel chapter 3 and verse number 1. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold 
whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, the governors, and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then an herald, then an herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at which time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. Whoso falleth not down and worship shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. The church can't even still hold on to what it believes today. And we're not even facing fiery furnaces. We're letting the government dictate our morals and our values now without still necessarily any real threat. Their threat was, you bow when the music plays, and if you don't bow, we got a furnace for you. Not going to send you to court, not going to have, not going to have witnesses, not going to have a trial the, today, right now, we're sending you. Therefore, at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the corn and flute, heart sack with psaltery, and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations and the languages fell down and worshiped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the instruments shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews. There are certain Jews. There are certain Jews. My understanding is there are certain Jews because there were other Jews. There are certain Jews... Whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. What that means is, it wasn't just Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego somewhere by themselves, just the three of them. There was a bunch of other people that were providing an excuse. There was a bunch of other Jews that heard the same sound and the same decree. And the rest of them, when they heard it out of fear, got down and worshipped the image. But there were three guys that said, I will not be an excuse, nor am I looking for an excuse. Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do you not serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if you be ready that at what time you hear the sound of the corn and the flute, sacred, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if you worship not... Ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery 
furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Who's that God? Who's that God that's going to deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. We're going to overcome by the word of our testimony. We've got some evidence that tells us what our God can do. We've got some evidence that says you might be above us, but there's somebody that's above you. And you can say what you want to say and threaten whatever you want to threaten, but we got somebody on our side that is able to do whatever needs to be done no matter what you say. Our God, our God, our God, He can deliver us. He can deliver us out of your hand. But, if not, if not, if the evidence I have for what He can do He chooses to do something else. See, sometimes you've got some good evidence for what God can do. The only problem is there's another purpose going on. So sometimes He doesn't do what He can do. It's one thing when you don't believe God can do something. But it's a whole other thing when you know and believe God can do something and He chooses not to do it. They said, our God can deliver us, but if he doesn't, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. We don't care what everybody else does. We don't care how many other Jews choose to bow. We don't care how many of our brothers and sisters are intimidated by what you say. We have made up our mind and we will not bow. Even if he doesn't, we won't bow. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury. And the form of his vicious was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded, turn up the heat. Make it seven times more hot than it was. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. These men were bound in their coats, their hose in their hats, their garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And a bunch of other Jews said, thank God we didn't stand. I'm glad I took my excuse. I'm glad I found an excuse to bow rather than to stand. Except the problem was somebody had some evidence. 
It wasn't going the way it was anticipated. And it wasn't playing out the way perhaps they had hoped. But their God was just as faithful as they thought he was. And while he did not prevent them from the fire, the Bible says when they got in the fire, there was a fourth man that showed up in the fire. You know what? It was a bunch of people that had bought into an excuse that were regretting that. I wish I had bought the evidence. I wish I had chosen the evidence. Look what we missed out on. There was all kind of excuses to bow. But there was also some people that not only had their own evidence, but they had found other evidence to say, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit on God. I don't care what's going on. I don't care what God does or does not do. I'm not looking for a way out. I'm not looking for the road to get away from Him. But I'm going to stand my ground. I'm going to do like the Apostle Paul said. And when I've done everything I know to do, and I've tried everything I know to do, to try. I'm just going to make up my mind having done all to stand. I'm going to stand because I've got some evidence. He may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time because he's an on time God. Yes, he is. I don't have time to read it from you from the King James and then other translations so you can read the King James later. For the sake of time, I'm just going to read it to you from the New Living Translation, 2 Peter chapter 2. But there were also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who bought them. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their evil teaching and, dis- and shameful immorality. And because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. Because of what they've taught and then what people have done, the way of truth. Some of you come into church and you do a great job in church of being evidence. Then you walk outside of here and you become the excuse. You know how to be evidence when the music's playing and worship's right and the mood's right. But then you go out of here and you provide. You provide not evidence, but an excuse. Offenses must come. Offenses must come. But woe to them by whom they come. Verse number 3, New Living Translation. In their greed, they will make up clever lies to get hold of your money. Mm. Mm. Clever lies. Cadillacs and mansions and prosperity. Sorry, not really. But God condemned them long ago, and their destruction will not be delayed. 
See, the problem is you and I think in terms of time. And we look at stuff in the dimension of time and it seems delayed, but God's got eternity. A couple of years to God is nothing. For God did not spare even the angels who sinned. He threw them into hell in gloomy pits of darkness where they are being held until the day of judgment. And God did not spare the ancient world except for Noah and the seven others in his family. Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment. So God protected Noah when he destroyed the world of ungodly people with a vast flood. Later, God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and turned them into heaps of ashes. He made them an example of what will happen to ungodly people. But God also rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. Yes, Lot was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw and heard day after day. So you see, the Lord knows how to rescue godly from their trials. The Lord knows how to rescue godly from their trials. There's some evidence that the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from their trials. Even while keeping the wicked under punishment until the final judgment, He is especially hard on those who follow their own twisted sexual desire and who despise authority. These people are proud and arrogant, daring even to scoff at supernatural beings without so much as trembling. But the angels who are far greater in power and strength do not dare to bring from the Lord a charge of blasphemy against those supernatural beings. These false teachers are like unthinking animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed. They scoff at things they do not understand. And like animals, they will be destroyed. Their destruction is their reward for the harm they have done. They love to indulge in evil pleasures in broad daylight. They are a disgrace and a stain among you. They delight in deception even as they, even as they eat with you in your fellowship meals. They delight in deception even as they eat with you in your fellowship meals. They delight in deception. There's a bunch of folks that are really good Christian chameleons. They know how to blend with their surroundings. They know how to change based on who they're with. If that's the way you are, you're living on the side of an excuse. Evidence says it doesn't matter where I am who I'm with, what the circumstances are, what the situation is, I remain the same. One more time. They delight in deception, even as they eat with you in your fellowship meals. They commit adultery with their eyes and their desire for sin is never satisfied. They lure unstable people into sin and they are well trained in greed. They live under God's curse. They have wandered off the right road and followed the footsteps of Balaam, son of Beor, who loved to earn money by doing wrong. But Balaam was stopped from his mad course when his donkey rebuked him with a human voice. These people are you are as useless as dried up springs or a mist blown away by the wind. 
They are doomed to blackest darkness. They brag about themselves with empty foolish boasting, with an appeal to twisted sexual desires. They lure back into sin those who have barely escaped from a lifestyle of deception. They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption. For you are a slave to whatever controls you. And when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they are worse off than before. When people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they are worse off than before. It's not just going back to what you were and it's just equal to what it was. You are now worse off. It would be better if they had never known the way of righteousness than to know it and then reject the command they were given to live a holy life. They prove the truth of this proverb. A dog returns to its vomit and another says a washed pig returns to the mud. I permit me, even if you don't permit me, permit me, if you will, to be senior pastor for a few moments here tonight. I'm getting very concerned about those that are letting some that have tasted and known, but have gone back to now be the influencers of your life. Now providing an excuse against rather than continuing to find evidence for. I, I, I actually started in a staff, or I don't think it, was a, it wasn't a staff meeting. It was one of the planning meetings that we were doing for the evangelism training we've been doing on Thursday nights. And Brother Trombley referenced not only uh, Noah, but actually I, I think he referenced Noah, but more so he referenced Romans chapter 1, the verse in there. And if you've watched any of the last couple of weeks of WordCast, it's what I've been focusing on because it just really has kind of gotten my attention and stirred me. There's really some, there's answers in the Bible if you just look. <laughs> I don't mean for deep theological issues. I mean for practical questions. And Paul addresses something in Romans 1. He says in verse 19, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. What that's saying in, 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 in another way is, look around, there's a bunch of object lessons. We, 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 have, we have deer and squirrels where I live. And I was just thinking the other night as I was driving home in the evening and I think it was actually even dark and those deer will come jumping out of the woods right in front of the car. <laughs> I, I think it was a couple of years ago now. We're driving home one night and my wife says, Deer, we don't, we don't use pet names for each other, so she never calls me Deer. But somehow in that moment, I guess I was thinking she was being funny and calling me Deer. Deer, I think finally she had to tell me, there's a deer. Oh, my heart was fluttering for a moment. 
And I was driving home the other night, and one of the roads we live off of, I think I've got two. I know one. I think I've gotten two Peter Cottontails. The thump wasn't the thump of his little foot on the... <laughs> Ba-boom. Oops. But squirrels especially. That squirrel gets out in the middle of the road and he sees you coming. The problem is the squirrel is in an environment he wasn't created for. See, you teach a child, look. The squirrel doesn't know about the need to stop and look. If he would just pause for a moment. <laughs> Look both ways. <laughs> Life would be a lot better. But it's in an environment it wasn't created for. When you get in an environment you weren't created to live in. You don't know how to deal with the surroundings. And sooner or later, you're going to make a wrong decision because you're trying to function in a world you can't function in. So you and I press the limits of the world we live in and start venturing out in places God never intended us to be in. And there's one thing it's going to end up in, and that's danger. But there are environments that God specifically created us to live in and environments God created us for. And the outcome of that environment is life and life more abundant. So there are visible things that teach us invisible things because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Isaiah said that there would be a day when men would call good evil and evil good. They would replace bitter for sweet. Light for darkness. How does that happen? Paul tells us how it happens. When they knew God, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. I shouldn't open my mouth at the beginning about getting you out of here early. That's why when you come to church, worship is not, not just about some of the things you think it's about. Because when you come and sit in a service and refuse to respond in worship, you are starting down a path. That says, I know you're God, but I'm not going to acknowledge you as God. Because if I were to acknowledge you as God, I would lay aside my excuses. As to why I'm not worshiping. As to why I'm not responding. And I'm sorry. You got the wrong senior pastor to give me that non-emotional garbage. 
You got the wrong senior pastor to tell me about that non-emotional stuff. Well, I'm just not expressive. I got in the club before you did. I'm just not outwardly demonstrative. Neither am I. I'm be around me throughout the week. Come observe me for a while. I'm walking my wife's shoes for a while. Learn stuff that she misunderstood because I don't say anything. I don't do what I do in church because of personality. Well, I have my own time with him. So then I come in here and I'm going to be somebody's excuse. I don't want somebody to look around and see me in the middle of a worship service doing nothing and say, well. There's an excuse for me. I don't want to be the excuse. I want to be the evidence. I don't want to be somebody's cop out. Believer or unbeliever. But I want to be somebody's evidence that they look around and say, I don't think I feel like it either. But if they're doing it, I can do it. If they've got a reason to respond, I've got a reason to respond. (laughs) Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. You know what? Let me give you one other quick reason for worship. The Bible says that in the last days, the trumpet's going to sound. The dead in Christ are going to rise, and we which are alive and remain going to be caught up in the air. When you hear the word trumpet, what do you think of? I think of a trumpet. I think of this loud, blasting trumpet. This, this, you know, that, that loud, just, I mean, blow that thing as hard as you can, trumpet sounding. But you know what the, the, the Greek word there for trumpet is? I don't know the word, but I know what it means. And I definitely ain't gonna try to pronounce it. That word in the Greek is not trumpet. That word in the Greek is Vibration. Maybe I could say it like this, a pulse. See, I don't want to condition myself in any atmosphere to need a trumpet to get me to do something. In fact, what I'm trying to do is practice that the slightest vibration... The slightest pulse. I want to learn how to respond. Because if I can't learn how to do this here, I'm not sure how I'm going to learn when that final pulse comes. And it's not just about a little dance, but it's about my feet leaving the ground. So I am conditioning myself every time I get in the presence of God to get sensitive to the pulse. I, 
sometimes, sometimes I literally, I'm, I'm here doing worship and I'm, I'm doing my dance. You do your own dance or whatever you do. And I'm doing my own dance. And sometimes I'm thinking, are you supposed to be doing this? Did God tell you to do this? Did God speak to you? No, it just seems like the right thing to do. But I also, I know that an object in motion is a lot easier to do something with than an object that's doing nothing. So I don't want him to have to put TNT under me to get me to move. But I want to train myself to be responsive that the slightest nudge of the Spirit can direct me where I need to go. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the in, of the uncorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. The birds and the four-footed beasts and creeping things. Here's what's scary. This is speaking of, this is not speaking of heathens. This is not speaking of the people that have never heard anything about God. This is speaking of those that have known, that have heard, that have been preached to, taught, trained, equipped. God gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. You want to know how our world got where it is? The homosexual agenda? Oh, there's a simple explanation. God gave some people up. God gave some people up that knew but proved they didn't want to know. He gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up to vile affections for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men, women, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things and slipped into this list of all kinds of stuff is disobedient to parents. Without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, uh, natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. I beg some folks here tonight, you better be careful and not let somebody that's in that condition be your excuse. Somebody that God has flipped the switch off that now becomes your excuse to live the way you want to live. 
You better look just a little bit farther because in the midst of all of those excuses, there's still some people that have not bowed. And there's some people who still have a voice that is attuned to the Spirit of God and the Word of God. And there's still some people that are saying, I'm presenting to you, God, my body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto you as my reasonable service. Last passage, and I'm done reading. Not sure how much longer I'll be preaching. John six sixty six. There was a bunch of there was a bunch of multitudes that would show up to hear what Jesus had to say. There's a bunch of crowds that would gather to hear what he would say and also see what he would do. But notice verse sixty six of John six. From that time. Not the multitude, not the crowd, not just those that showed up out of curiosity, but disciples. Disciples. That is people who went beyond just showing up in the crowd. That is people that had done something to earn that name, that title, that that. There were disciples that went back and walked no more with him. There was an excuse. Well, they're not sticking with it. They're not suffering with what we're suffering through. They're not dealing with what we're dealing with. And so there was an excuse. And Jesus said unto the twelve, You're going to go also? But there was a word of testimony. There was some evidence that rose up. Simon Peter says, That's not my excuse. Because I've got some evidence. And my evidence says, Where else is there to go? Where else is there to go? Because you alone have the words of eternal life. What else are we going to do? But there's a way out. There's a reason to go. If you want it. But there's also evidence if you're looking for it. That says, there's lots of excuses, but there's also lots of things that solidify my faith and strengthen my confidence in God. And so while I may be able to find an excuse if I want to, I choose to look for the evidence. The evidence says... Things don't always go the way I hope or dream or wish. But God is faithful. The evidence says I don't always understand it. I don't always like it. But my evidence says in spite of it, God is faithful. An excuse says 
You lose a 33-year-old daughter totally unexpectedly. The excuse says, get out your towel. I'm done with this. I've given years of my life to this, and this is the thanks that I get. But evidence says, I didn't expect this. I don't like this. But though he slay me, Yet, will I trust Him? The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh. But blessed, blessed, blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm... I'm preaching to some folks tonight that I know you get weary in well-doing and and I know you get frustrated with things not changing, but you also got to understand, and I'm not giving you this tonight as the motive that you're living for, but I'm trying to help and encourage you just a little bit. If nothing else, every day that you continue to plod along, every day when there's all kinds of excuses why you ought to give up and quit and you make up your mind, I'm going to take another step and I'm going to keep moving forward you become evidence you become evidence not only for yourself but for others that are trying to hang on but don't know if they can and they can look at you and say there is some evidence I can do this I'll tell you something else. And you go listen to the message I preached here in Arnold this morning. If this is too harsh and unkind for you. Because I think I preached fairly lovingly and compassionate this morning. But you also become evidence. For those around you. Whether they've known God or don't know God. That watch as you continue to be faithful. When everything says, you ought to accept the excuse. You ought to take the excuse and give up on it. There's a testimony that rises up inside of you that says, there's just too much that's been proven to me that I know that he's faithful. And it doesn't go the way I want. And it doesn't turn out at times the way I'd like it to. But I still know that God is faithful. And so rather than accepting all kinds of excuses that I can find, I'm going to look for me some fresh evidence. And my faith is going to be strengthened. And my confidence is going to be renewed. And I'm not going to give up. But I'm going to press on. I'm going to push forward. I'm going to keep pressing towards the mark. I don't, I don't want to offend anybody tonight. I have no desire to do that. If my burden and concern offends you, 
And I apologize. I just got to take a moment tonight to challenge every teenager and every young adult here tonight. There's plenty of excuses if you want them. There's plenty of excuses if you want them. There's plenty of people that will provide you an excuse. There's people that have sat where you have sat that now will provide you an excuse. And if you want it, it's there. But I've also come to tell you tonight, if you'll look just a little bit farther, I don't care who's gone that used to come. I don't care what they do now that they shouldn't do. There is evidence, if you will look around, that says God is right. God is just. God is true. God is faithful. There's evidence to say that if I will not be weary in well-doing in due season, I shall reap. I beg you tonight, don't let somebody that God has potentially decided to stop bugging them cause you to decide to follow the same path. Look around. There's some evidence. You want an excuse? There is one. If you want evidence, there's evidence. I'm closing, but I got it one more time. Somebody, you need to hear me tonight. You need to hear me tonight. You are blinded to the fact you are playing into the enemy's trap. And you are a pawn of his to give an excuse. You become the justification for some that are looking for a way out. And think nothing of it. Paul said in chapter 2, the Gentiles. The Gentiles. In that context, he wasn't speaking in the same... He was speaking more for us figuratively. He wasn't talking necessarily for us today race-wise. He was talking about the Gentiles without the law have something inside of them to guide them, to direct them. Not because of what they've heard from the pulpit. Not because of what church they were raised in, what organization they were part of, what their parents were. But there was something that was in them, and it's simply called a conscience. That was a God-given gift. And so Paul says to those that not only have a conscience, but also have been blessed to be taught the law. If those that don't even have it obey it, what are you doing knowing it and disregarding it? Oh, I know. You found an excuse. The scary thing is, God provides both. God provides both. God will provide you evidence for the truth. Evidence of His faithfulness. Evidence of His Word. Evidence of the principles of His Word. But God will also allow there to be excuses that are available if you want them. Sister Trish, come please. And you have to decide. You 
have to choose. Will I take the excuse? Or will I accept the evidence? If I'm not mistaken, not by chronological age, if I'm not mistaken, I think I'm the oldest member next to bishop and mother in this church. Of course, when I became a member, I didn't know I was becoming a member. I've been around here a long time. Good 10 plus years of that. Beginning years of my life as a kid. Didn't have a whole lot of knowledge and understanding of things yet as any child. But as time went on, knowledge and understanding and maturity came. I'd say for a good 30 plus years now. Brother Mallory, you got to humor me again tonight. I know you had an elder's breakfast yesterday and Brother Mallory was joking around about some of us when we talk about our age. So forgive me for a moment. But it's kind of... I know, I know, I know, I know all you got your side of it, but it's just crazy to me when I think, when I subtract 30 years, and 30 years puts me in the middle of my teen years. I mean, 30 years ago, I was in diapers. 30 years ago, I didn't even know how to walk. Oh, oh yeah. I wasn't in diapers, thank God. I, I was well in my teen years. So I would say for a good 30 years, I've been perceptive enough to be able to watch evidence, excuse. Evidence, excuse. Some of you parents have asked in the past, some of you ask now, and some of you will ask in the future. What do I tell my kids about so-and-so who's in leadership and does this and does that that they shouldn't? Tell them it's an excuse. Tell them it's an excuse. Because the flip side is, for all the excuses you can find, there's plenty of evidence. It's just a matter of what you really want. It's not up to God, I'm sorry. It's up to you to decide. Do I want evidence that validates and substantiates my faith and trust in God? Or do I want an excuse to provide me a way out? If you want it, He'll give it. But also, if you want it, there's a testimony that God can give that by the word of your testimony and by the word of the testimonies of others, 
When opposition and challenges and difficulties come, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of your testimony, you will be able to overcome. I wonder if you would stand, please. And as you're standing, if you would also close your eyes. I know I said I was going to try to get you out early and I failed, so. I wonder, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder if there's some folks here tonight that would make a fresh commitment to God to say, number one, God, I'm going to pursue a life that I will be evidence. I want to live in a way, God, that I am evidence, not somebody's excuse. But secondly, God, I'm making a commitment that when I look around and I see evidence on one side and excuses on the other, I'm committing to you all over again, God. I am going to choose the evidence I'm not going to choose the excuse that provides me a way out I'm not going to choose the excuse that gives me an alternative that my flesh wants but God I'm going to find the evidence that causes me one more day, one more time to press on to push forward some have come but I wonder if there's a few more folks here tonight that would be willing to make that commitment to God. I want my life to be evidence for you, God. And in addition to my life being evidence for you, I also make the commitment and I trust you for your grace that no matter how many excuses there are around me, no matter how many excuses are available to me, I will choose the evidence I'll choose the evidence that will time and time again take me back to you point me back in the right direction in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus help us tonight Holy Ghost help us tonight Holy Ghost Father you said you understood the the frame that we are made of. You understand and you know our weaknesses. You know the tendencies of our flesh. We ask you for strength and grace tonight. We ask you for renewing and refreshing tonight, God, to once again be able to choose the evidence that supports, the evidence that increases our faith, the evidence that points us once again back to you in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus I know offenses have to come God I know they're going to come but I don't want to be the excuse I don't want to be the trap I don't want to be a part of the trap that is providing someone the out they're looking for but I want to be the evidence that points again to you the name of Jesus. Oh, 
Aleluya. He brought me this far to leave. Oh, yes. I just can't give up now. Oh, I've come too far from where I started from. Nobody told me the road would be easy, but I don't believe he brought me this far. Oh, yes, Lord. I just can't give up now. Oh, I've come too far. Nobody told me the road would be. Oh, I don't believe. I wonder if some of you might be willing to join with some other of these folks that are in the altar. Some have already come and praying with some, but I realize they may not need it. But I, I just wonder if some of you would allow the Holy Ghost to use you right now and come and join together with somebody. Oh, the road would be easy, but I don't believe he brought me this far. Oh, yes, Lord. Hallelujah. God, give somebody some fresh evidence tonight. I know there's already plenty of it, but give somebody some fresh evidence tonight, God. In the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. I just can't give up now. Oh, I've come too far from where I started from. Nobody told me the road would be easy, but I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me. Oh, I just can't give up now I've come too far from where I started nobody told me the road oh I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me I've come too far. Oh, nobody told me the road would be. Oh, but I don't believe he brought me this far. Oh, yes, Lord. I can't give up now. Nobody told me the road would be easy, but I don't believe 
He brought me this far to lead me. Hallelujah. There will be battles that I would have to fight. Victory or oh, It's up to me to decide. Hallelujah. But how can I expect to I can't give up. Come too far. Nobody told me the road would be easy. Hallelujah. to be 